0: Welcome to Watchman on the Wall, a daily outreach of Southwest Radio Ministries and SWRC.com. Watchman on the Wall is here each day to bring clarity to the chaos and remind everyone who tunes in that God is still on the throne and prayer changes things. This week, staff evangelist Josh Davis will explore who the true Jesus is. And we begin the week with a brand new series on the new age, UFOs, in the cosmic Christ. Before we begin today, I want to say thank you to everyone who attended our Clarity to the Chaos Conference in Niceville, Florida this past weekend. Thank you as well to Pastor Doug Stoffer and all the wonderful staff and volunteers of Faith Independent Baptist Church that made the conference such a huge success. Our next conference is only 12 days away, Tri-Cities, Tennessee, Friday and Saturday, March 3rd and 4th. Seats are going fast, so register today. By visiting swrc.com and click on events. All this month, we're featuring major discounts on many of the items in our online resource center books and DVDs that will inform and encourage you. Visit our website and check out all the great items that are deeply discounted this month. swrc.com. That's swrc.com. Is there a covert plan for humanity? Are we on the brink of discovery? Our host, Larry Spargemino, welcomes author Sylvia McKelvey to today's program to answer these important questions.
1: What about UFOs? What is a Christian to think about all the reports? I have a tremendously, what should I say, good, excellent book in my hands titled Storm on the Horizons, the New Age, UFOs, and the Cosmic Christ. The author, Sylvia McKelvey, is with me on the phone. Hello, Sylvia. Thank you for uh, sending me your book.
2: Hello, Pastor Larry. I was happy to send it to you.
1: Well, I'm very interested in you because you've done so much uh, research. You're you're obviously an expert. Uh, The book is so well documented. How did you get started as a UFO researcher?
2: Well, I was doing a lot of research on New Age movement. That's basically where I got my start. But I started to see how the UFO part of it was playing into it. And I still didn't give it much serious thought until we had a report from the JAL, Japanese airliner incident, where the pilots actually filed a report with the FAA. And it was carried in the the, uh, major newspapers. That got me interested, and I wanted to find out more to see, well, wh- where is this going? And I did find out
1: an awful lot. Yes, there's there's so much out there. I'm looking at page 42 on your in your book where you say Washington, D.C., and you talk about 11.40 p.m. on Saturday evening. This is in 1952. The air traffic controller saw these strange objects, and they were moving in fast. And what I found really amazing was that when the military jets came, they left. But when the military jets left, they came back. So, uh, I mean, there is an intelligence here. There's an amount of expertise moving very fast, very fast, very quickly, dodging and everything. This this is absolutely amazing.
2: Yeah, there's actually dogfights reported about that same time also in the 50s. It was Post the war. And so we have a lot of trained pilots. And for them to go up there and report these things, and not only report them, try to engage them, is to me, I think, more proof positive coming from these people who we put in uh, in charge of our care.
1: Right, right. I mean, the military radar and jet fighter pilots, these are experts, and these, whatever they are, they move at uh, unbelievably fast speeds, I, I think so quick that. The laws of physics, if they were like from our dimension, they would fall apart. They wouldn't be able to do anything like that. So there's something going on here that's, well, it's biblical, apocalyptic. It sounds like the book of Revelation.
2: Um, It does in a lot of ways, and that's really what spurred me on to writing about them because um, I saw more and more how it was falling into the lines with even what uh, Benjamin Krim came out back in 1982 yes. with the announcement of a Christ being back. Right. Well, this Christ has air support. He also works with the aliens and and UFOs. What's interesting too is that people have to remember when he made this announcement and the announcement that came out in many papers about this Christ being back. We have to remember he is not alluding to a religious leader. Right. He's talking about a man who's going to fill an office. So this is something, especially if you have somebody who has a connection with UFOs, that we want to be aware of, if nothing else. But in recent days, in fact, just in the last couple of years, there's been an increase of UFO activity. The government has certainly acknowledged that there is something out there. What I thought was interesting, too, and something that I think our government should be more aware of, and they, they probably are, um, but there was a report that came out not too long ago by reporter Tom Rogan. Mm-hmm. Um, he wa- writes for the Washington Examiner, and he was actually on um, the Tucker show on Fox News, and he was talking about the reality of what he has found out in his investigations, and in fact that there has been more encounters with these objects, that he's found out that there has been many planes that have been crashed or damaged from them. Mm. And according to his report, there was um, actually four deaths associated mm. uh, with Russia and China when they tried to get them. So, mm. I mean, this is a serious topic, and, and yes. uh, where it goes in there, we should be watching.
1: Yes. The title of your book is Storm on the Horizon. So, are we in great peril? I mean, a storm, wind blows, trees fall, and these things. I mean, have there actually been many, many injuries? Some of the reports I've read, they they seem very phantasmic and disappear and so forth. But actually, direct uh, encounters. You spoke about a dogfight. Wow, were there bullets and rays flashing through the sky or whatever? Now, <laughs> yeah,
2: this is actually. Um I can't remember the gentleman's name, but he was a former pilot during World War II, and this took place, I believe, over South Dakota. And it was basically a dogfight without weapons. I mean, he was trying to get in position, and he was trying to shoot it down, but the the thing would just outmaneuver him. And, in fact, at one time, it came right at him, like it was right (laughs) to have a game of chicken with him or something. But, you know, you have the reality of that. But on the other hand, you have people that say, you know, I just saw something unusual in the sky, or, right. you know, it doesn't bother them, or they, they go out and they think it's a wonderful thing, you know, we've got to welcome the, the, the space people to our Earth, and then you have the reality what's happening with a lot of the government. So I think it's almost a, a show of force, uh, knowing that we can't stop them, we can't outfly them, and we can't even catch right. them. So.
1: Yeah. yeah i I would think that for for the human race for the human species to find you know we, we think we're so smart we know so much and I guess we're we're smarter than the monkey maybe but but to find out that there's something out there that that can outfly us outsmart us outshoot us wouldn't that have such a devastating effect that in some way it it, it would propel us into like a one-world government, people would say, well, forget communism, forget China, forget Russia, let's all get together because we have a big problem out there. We better stop fighting amongst ourselves. We better become a one-world or something like that. Do you you see that fulfilling the prophetic scenario?
2: I see that very clearly. Going back again to what this uh, announcement was of this Christ being back, again, the non-religious position, he was often referred to as the Cosmic Christ, Mm. and that's why it's in my book as such. What's interesting also, when Benjamin Krim was supporting this Cosmic Christ back in 1982, he had written a book called The Reappearance of the Christ and the Masters of Wisdom, and I went back through that the other day, and what was very interesting to me, what they were saying in his book and what he lectured on, was the fact that we, number one, because of... The involvement with these space brothers and this Christ that we, number one, have to learn to live more simply. We have to redistribute the resources on this world. And we have to work together in more or less a socialist regime. I'm thinking we've heard so much about the Great Reset. And I see almost verbatim this type of plan that was from this entity to what we're seeing today. So I think definitely this is the push to bring the world together under a centralized global government. Now, I also ask the question in my book that what would it take to have all of the countries come together, and the superpowers in particular, to lay down their weapons and comply? I think that something on the order of these UFOs working in tandem with whatever leadership might be in this government could certainly fit that bill, you know, because we know that we can't compete with them. They right.
1: are the superpower. Right, right. Well, I, I know some, some people believe that they're benevolent and, and that they're space brothers, and I've heard that when we detonated our first atomic bomb, that there was a flurry of them like, hey, what are you guys doing on planet Earth? You shouldn't be fooling around with nuclear weapons. Was there actually a flurry in the, in the 40s and over New Mexico and other places? Yes,
2: there was, actually, and wow. it, it started during World War II with what they would be calling the Foo Fighters, and these would be these objects that would appear do a, like a fly-along with a lot of our bombers and other warplanes. And the same thing was happening to the Germans. This was mostly in, in Europe, but it happened in the Asian theater as well. Each one of us thought that, well, America thought it was a secret weapon of the Germans. The Germans thought it was a secret weapon of the Americans. And so it really started to pick up momentum at that time. And it's not unusual to get the reports, and there's been several, that they often these objects will show up during nuclear testing, or they will be at a nuclear power plant, right, or they'll be at right. a military base that has nuclear weapons. So it obviously is a concern of these space entities and i would think that you know obviously if some global leader is going to take control of the earth that they would want the earth to still be here
1: right right yeah yeah i mean you know when i read your book and some of the other things and going back to ide thomas there seems to be so much that fits into the biblical scenario and and we know that there is deception We see such an anti-Christian attitude today in the world, China, Russia, and so forth, but even in America. And I'm thinking, you know, some there's a group, I think they're called the Raelians. Don't they, isn't this part of their God plan? They see these creatures as being good. And I think this is so far removed from what Jesus Christ would have us believe. There's got to be some kind of a, quote, conspiracy here against the truth of the word of God
2: yeah actually, the Raelians have been around for a long time. They were one of the first groups to start attending these new age festivals, and mm. uh, they oh. often had a banner that says uh, Help Us welcome the space brothers and um they're very much pro on that to get people to think that, hey, these are our basically our saviors. A lot of mm. people believe that you know if they come on the scene, well, they're here to help save us from a nuclear war or some other destruction. Right. So the whole idea of trying to think of them as our benevolent saviors or even our creators, which is often talked about on Ancient Aliens and other programs, is kind of setting the stage and, and forming a narrative that we should not be afraid of this, that we should welcome this, right. and they're here to help us.
1: Right, right. So I would think... I'm a local church pastor also, and I'm I'm very concerned about people getting wrong ideas and so forth. So I, I would think that there has never been a time when it has been more imperative that we get into the Bible, that we study Bible doctrine, that we know what the Bible says, so that we can tell the truth from from the counterfeit. That's one of the things about counterfeit money. It looks so much like the truth. And I think with with the deception that's going on and with all of the amazing things that these base brothers or whatever these alien things do that could really boy, that that could be so devastating to even christians if they're not filled with the holy spirit if we don't know the word of god this is a dangerous dangerous time
2: absolutely i couldn't agree with you more as far as getting into the bible and knowing your bible because people who know their bible know their god this is uh, something that I think also that when y- you look at what the, the outreach is, you know, is, so many people either having sightings or experiences, right. is that it, it's setting the stage for that kind of uh, deception. And right. I think that, it, you know, that type of thing would be very astonishing. It would cause people to question oftentimes their, their faith, and that's one thing I've heard over and over, that if these uh, aliens land and they make contact with us, that it will totally destroy religion.
0: And I don't believe
2: that. It wouldn't destroy mine. Actually, it would fulfill it because we've been warned about these things. But it would have a catastrophic effect, I think, on the majority of the population on this earth.
1: Right, right. Did you come to a faith in in Jesus Christ before or after your work on UFOs?
2: Actually, before. um, I've always been a Christian. I was raised in a Christian home. My father was Sunday school superintendent, so mm. my brother and I were in church and Bible study quite regular, mm. uh, and as the years rolled by here, I've become very appreciative of that, because it's just like you say, with the, the, knowing your Bible, you can judge truth from error, and that's so important these days, because they want to um, misquote Scripture, mix it all together so it sounds like, oh yeah, that's right, we should be thinking that way. Right, right. So I think that's especially important. Certainly, we should have that as our uh, base for what we believe. That we aren't going to be deceived.
1: That, right. You is. know,
2: should this happen, you know, we're going to stay the course.
1: Right. I, not, I, not
2: discount our faith.
1: We're visiting with Sylvia McKelvey. She is the author of Storm on the Horizon. Sylvia is a born-again believer. This is a well, and I really mean well-researched book with ample documentation. You will want this very, very helpful volume. The title of it is. Storm on the horizon. Now, Sylvia, do you see a connection between the rise in occult, spiritism, and the Theosophical Society, and the increase in appearances and abductions of and UFO activities? Have they grown together?
2: I do. I've seen it as a gradual process in in many ways. And the sad thing about it is that you have people that maybe have had a sighting, myself included. And they immediately want to get answers. So if they don't have a pastor that's sympathetic to that, they don't have anyone to speak to, and they often end up in the New Age camps because they have camaraderie there. So I see it coming together as far as what they're planning to do, I guess spiritually, you would say, is to get people on that bandwagon and help promote this. And I, I can see also that it is going to cause a deception, and these people that are into it, unfortunately, are very deceived. So yeah. when we go back again, and I, and I will reflect back on this, talking about Benjamin Krim and this Christ. Well, before Benjamin Krim was into Maitreya, the Christ, he was into UFOs. Mm-hmm. He was the secretary for the Altheria Society in the 50s. That is um, George King's organization. He's a contactee. Grim was also a friend with another contact very well-known, George Adamski. So this has been a long time coming in that regard, but people need to understand that there is this connection between the occult and UFOs and their agenda. There's a lot of backstories I found out in researching these reports and people who've had these experiences, and quite often it does show that there has been an occult connection. Either before or after this happens. Kenneth Arnold, for example, is very well known as one of the first people to gain notoriety for reporting what would be termed flying saucers. He saw nine objects over Mount Rainier back in 1947. But in an interview that was given years later by his daughter, uh, it's recounted that he'd had more sightings and then stuff had started to happen in their house. They had an orb show up and go down their mm. hall and into their room, it frightened uh, Kenneth Arnold so much that he fell on his knees and started reciting the Lord's Prayer. Mm. And he was convinced that there were, quote, things in the house that were he could see inference in his, his uh, sofa. And he's one of many that I try to point out in this book, not condemning them, but letting them speak on their own and showing what they are saying, what they experienced. And you'll be surprised
1: at how many have that kind of connection. Right, right. Well, you have some pictures at the back of the book, a cat chasing orbs, not seen visibly by us, but captured with camera. And then another picture, left, plasma configuration, right, double orbs seen only with camera. So tell us about that and tell us about your sighting.
2: Yeah, my sighting actually was of the, the orbs, my husband, and, and I actually saw it coming back from an interview I did with someone who was reporting black helicopters over their house. But um, it was 11 o'clock in the morning. It was just a pristine day. We are coming through the valley here in California and happened to look up and see these objects coming down basically from the sky. They were the round, bright, white orbs grouped together. I watched them go together, come apart. We pulled off the road, of course, and um, started to investigate this further. And I had this tiny little camera in my purse, so I pulled Mm -hmm. it out and hoping I would get a picture. Unfortunately, I did. So these things that were bugging around, I guess they noticed us as well because they stopped. And one proceeded to to leave the group at tremendous speed. I watched it do like a puff-puff of some kind of plasma, and then there was a glowing, extremely bright amber glowing from within. That died out, and whatever that is started to come directly at us. So when this object came, and I, I have a picture of that, it's almost thumb drops shaped because I could see a form to it, but you could only, you could only make out the uh, plasma-type swirling clouds that engulfed it. And it stopped over our car and... We observed it for a while. Like I said, you couldn't see it, but what I noticed that sticks with me is that it seemed to be generating an incredible amount of energy because I could see around it that there were these waves of distortion, you know, like you Mm. would see with heat waves um, coming off the object. So I'm thinking, well, there's definitely something (laughs) generating a lot of energy. My husband thought it looked almost like um, he thought it had a, a tail like a stingray or something. So it was, it was very unusual. Right. And there was no way that I could really classify what we saw as a space ship of any kind. I got the impression that it might have been something that was uh, like a life form or biomechanical. And that's come out as recent as well and has been reported in, in the past. Also, just skipping ahead here, um, I did a report on our own sighting. But then, you know, I started having things happen in my house as well mm. that I totally was unaware of. But, but, you know, what tipped me off was my cat was running all the house.
1: Right, right. Let, my- let, let, let me jump in here because we are just about out of time. We're going to bring you back, and we want to hear more about this. But thank you so much, uh, Sylvia McKelvey. And friends, the title of the book, Storm on the Horizon, and please tune in to our next show. Thank you, Sylvia.
2: You're welcome.
0: More on the New Age, UFOs, and the Cosmic Christ on our next Watchmen on the Wall program. Storm on the Horizon by today's guest, Sylvia McKelvey, is a book that answers the question, is there a covert plan for humanity? And are we on the brink of discovery? order your copy of storm on the horizon when you call 1-800-652-1144 that's 1-800-652-1144 or visit our website swrc.com here's greg patton ready to share stories of faith inspiration and encouragement living in today's world
3: You know, God has revealed the secret of personal fulfillment and success in life better than anyone else, but most of us miss it. In our materialistic society today, we are trained to grab all we can and look out for being number one. Our noble concept of the rugged individualist and the self-made man miss a very critical truth. Even in the church, we tend to focus on leadership there. Sure we do. Being true to ourselves and Finding our ministry. Instead of simply calling someone a servant, I'm a servant of God, we feel compelled to use a phrase like, I'm a servant leader. History and Scripture stand against this wave of self-satisfaction. Am I correct on that? Samuel stated his posture in God's calling by replying, Speak, Lord, for your servant. Get it? For your servant is listening. 1 Samuel 3, verse 9 and 10. 19th century preacher and one of my favorites, Charles Haddon Spurgeon, urges us to serve all your life. And today, John Maxwell said the first step to leadership is servanthood. I know many pastors that have been considered, oh, highly successful in life, but boy, they can be personally defeated. All of us can. One pastor said, I was burned out, I was empty, I was miserable. From the outside, I appeared to be doing everything right. The church thought I was on top of it. I was preaching the gospel. I was fulfilling the Great Commission, building a ministry, Christian school. But on the inside, everything was messed up. I was out of fellowship with God, tormented by impure thoughts, and headed for destruction. Then just as David cried out from the pit, I begged the Lord to deliver me, and he did. Praise the Lord. He set my feet on a firm foundation of his truth, and in this process, I've come to understand the significance of Jesus Christ's statement that the servant is greatest of all there in Matthew twenty-three, eleven, Ministry must be centered around a purpose, not a personality. Hey, you need to grab that concept. You'll begin to look at people that you can help. If a marriage is faltering, you should want to jump in there and help discover the love of Jesus Christ and how you can help. If a pastor struggles with sin, we should want to help him overcome that. If a child needs food or water, we want to meet the need. In serving others, you develop new relationships with people. Man needs to find out that he becomes lesser, and when he does, oh, then he becomes greater in the eyes of God because God will get the greatest glory. Yeah, we need to humble ourselves to serve other people. Matthew twenty-five forty. Whatever you did for the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me, Jesus said. Jesus gave his life for these people. We need to begin to give our life to people. In return, he begins to fill us with an abundant life. And who listening to this program doesn't want an abundant life? Truly, that's what we're looking for. By losing... My life for his sake, I can find life again by becoming his servant to helpless people throughout the world. And right in your community, you'll find a personal and professional fulfillment and success in life. Yes, we live in a materialistic society. It's easy to put our needs above the needs of others. Yeah, me first. But Jesus always put others before himself, and he expects us to follow that example, does he not? You know, the Scriptures place the primary focus on the joy of giving in life, not on the return that you get. Acts 20:35. Jesus offers us the supreme example of what it means to give, right? He gave his life for us, knowing there was nothing that we could give him in return. Many people mistakenly believe that Jesus came to give us abundance in life instead of abundance of life. There's a big difference God's not opposed to you having things, but He's deeply concerned that things do not have us. Remember, God's rewards far exceed the value of anything earthly or anything temporal. He may give us the means to afford a new car. Maybe you have a nice home, but He's most interested in giving us a new spirit and an eternal home. And He's also interested in blessing us so we can, in turn, bless other people. And that would be real success in your Christian life, my friend.
0: Could extraterrestrials be part of the largest deception ever to take place on this earth? Find out in Sylvia McKelvey's groundbreaking book, Storm on the Horizon. Order your copy today when you call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Or visit our website, swrc.com. Tomorrow, Sylvia McKelvey will return with more details about the new age UFOs, and the Cosmic Christ. Be sure to tune in on your favorite radio station by downloading our SWRC mobile app or by subscribing to our daily Watchmen on the Wall podcast. Watchmen on the Wall is a production of Southwest Radio Ministries and is supported by faithful listeners like you. Visit swrc.com.